You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to Drinks with Tony. This week on the show, we have Joe Donnelly. He's the co-author of God of Sperm, Cappy Rothman's Life in Conception. His co-author is Cappy Rothman. Coming up on February 8th, mark your calendars for the second week, uh, second Wednesdays of the month, I'll be teaching a free creative writing workshop at the Los Feliz Branch Library on Hillhurst and Franklin at 6 p.m. That is uh, February 8th, Wednesday, 6 p.m., Los Feliz Branch Public Library. No need to register, just show up. And now, Joe and I discuss ethics and the question of donating sperm. Are we but specks on a small planet amidst billions of stars? And what do we do with that knowledge? Cappy Rothman's medical achievements in fertility. If Cappy chose a different branch of the military, how millions of people alive might not exist right now. And of course, the magnificent title, God of Sperm. Hi, I'm Joe Donnelly, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Joe Donnelly. He's the co-author of God of Sperm, Cappy Rothman's Life and Conception with Cappy, Cappy Rothman. Joe, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. As I was saying before we were on air, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm honored. Uh, and I um, congratulations for having such a vital and long-running show talking about, uh, you know, arts and letters. It's, you know, the 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 books and the and the words they kind of really get me through life on you know even the dark even at the darkest periods i can look at a book that i'm reading that i'm like just really enjoying and go i gotta go do these really crappy things that kind of suck and depress me but when i get home i get to talk to you they're good friends yeah yeah we're it's it we're lucky we're lucky that we grew up at a time when there was a printing press. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I still like to hold them. Yeah. No, these people who like read on Kindle, you know, bless them. God bless them. They're reading. Right. But mm-hmm. I can't do it. I, I have never been able to read a digital book because I want, I, I want less screen time and I want it in my hands. Yeah, and you can't remember a thing you read just after you read it when you're when it's on a digital uh, when you're reading it digitally. As I find, yeah, I teach and I'm very resistant to um, uh, giving. You know, the the big thing now is give the students all the materials electronically or you know whatever. And I'm, I just feel like it isn't gonna. It doesn't have the stickiness uh, as holding something tactily and reading it. You know. And and also the conversation that comes up when when we're in the room with our students, which I always um I always enjoy. Uh, it's like yes, throw a curveball at me because I want because I want to tell you I don't know either. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. let's come together and figure it out. At the risk of sounding like the old get off my lawn guy, um, I, I I just I, I do not believe it's possible to close read uh, electronically. 
Right. Well, you know, I just I just thought of this and thoughts come into my mind and I should probably just let them go through my mind. But sometimes they stick. And this one kind of this thought came up. It's like reading a Kindle is kind of like watching porn and masturbating. And then reading a book is like having intimate sex. Well, it's good to know I'm still having intimate sex one way or another. I guess that's what I'm trying to do with myself, too, is explain that. (laughs) we are talking about the god of sperm so maybe yeah nice segue that was good the um the and and that used to be my uh my pickup line hi uh-huh. i'm the god of sperm <laughs> so many there's so many jokes i haven't made on uh social media postings about the book yeah well, I, it's just, it's so, how do you come up with a title like that? Because that title is fantastic. And when um, your publicist, Kim just sent it to me and she's like, what do you think about? And then just the, all it said was got a sperm in the mail. And I said, yes, please. When? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, if only it were that exciting. Right. Um, although it's exciting in other ways. Um well, honestly, I didn't come up with the title. The title uh, uh, refers to an article from, uh, I think, 2008 or so by my friend Stephen Kotler. It was a cover story for the LA Weekly called entitled The God of Sperm. And um, uh, Stephen wrote a profile on Cappy then. And that was, uh, uh, sorry for the uh, pun intended, that was the the seminal uh, uh, moment for this uh, this this book actually eventually coming to fruition. Oh my God, here we go. It's going to be impossible. It's going to be impossible to avoid the reaping what you sow stuff. Um, but uh, um, yeah, that was the demon seed of this, uh, this book. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and uh, um, Stephen um, was actually, um, Cappy approached Stephen initially about um, you know, looking into writing the book um, and Stephen, I, I don't, Stephen Kotler is a, very in demand uh, author, and um, um, uh, he has a um, he, he's really into this uh, um, uh, flow uh, and peak performance stuff, and he's uh, he's in a lot of demand. So he referred um, Cappy to me, and uh, so I eventually ended up uh, um, you know taking on the project. It started with just Cappy wanted to see what a couple of chapters and uh, an outline look like, and you know maybe. He will, you know, want to do something, uh, you know, um, commit to doing a book. And so I signed up for that. And then he liked what he saw. And it, it, it kind of went from there. And 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 what's, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's a tricky line when you're writing with someone or writing, uh, you know, ghostwriting. Yeah. What was he, what was he like to actually just like work with and pound through the creative process with? Because the creative process is not easy when we're alone, when we bring someone else in on it. Well, you know, um, I, it wasn't co-written and it wasn't um, and it wasn't oh. ghostwritten. Um, the reason it says um, with Cappy Rothman is I wanted to be completely transparent that in, in a way that uh, that sounds like uh, doubling back completely transparent in a way. <laughs> but I want to be transparent that this 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 was a for hire. I, I was hired to write this and I was hired by Cappy. So. Um, obviously, there are some, you know, exigencies that go with that arrangement, but Cappy was incredibly hands off. Um, he didn't. Um, and in fact, he um, he didn't really um, he didn't have any compunctions about some of the more 
difficult um, parts of his story or this topic at all, and he didn't try and steer them in any direction. Um, the reason uh, I do say with Cappy Rothman uh, on this is that one, he paid me, and um, two, it's probably not a project that I would have come to on my own were it not presented to me. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, I get that you wouldn't come to this project on your own. Yeah, see, I didn't even mean this that. whole thing is this is just innuendo to this is this is beautiful. After is beautiful. I came to it, <laughs> so it when was, you <laughs> it proved to, it proved to be sticky. <laughs> yeah, it's a sticky situation, but what you got to do is you got to thrust yourself. Yeah, you got to thrust yeah. into this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I really wanted to, um, you know, I found eventually I wanted to bring it to a climax. I don't know where <laughs> this is awful. I, I blame you. I've steered clear of all this. I more than two, yeah. You need to do. You need to teach lectures on this because I would show up to every single one of them and just straight face. Yeah, boldly innuendo everything. This is but, cathartic for me because I've been holding my tongue on all this stuff. <laughs> on oh, on interviews and stuff. Yeah, yeah, on, on yeah. making the jokes that need to be made, you know. Right, exactly, and that's uh, that's and that's what you're here for is we want to get it. We want I want I want you to have a better shot at your later interviews after me. So I want I you to have the that, money shot. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I will go for the money shot. Um, I will say this though. Um, my initial draft, um, the first draft for it. Was uh, led, I think, had a little bit more of Cappy's father in it than um, he he uh, was uh, wanted, um, and he he asked me to um, background that stuff a little bit more. Um, of course, after we finished that, and he sent it out to some friends and family for a read, they were like, they 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 advised him that you know his father was fascinating and to maybe uh, you know put more of that back in. So it kind of ended up back where it started with me, which was. Uh, you know, it's this story of uh, someone who uh, came up in extraordinary circumstances as the son of a um, a no, no, you know notorious uh, mafia figure from you know the mid-century Miami Beach Havana um, era of uh, gangsterismo, and uh, uh, was knee deep in that stuff. Uh, and uh, and how did he end up becoming one of the uh, you know the the most prominent um, fertility doctors and one of the most consequential doctors period of his of his time. Um, that's a really fascinating. How do you transcend uh, your origins? How do you um, step out of your father's footsteps? And you know, and to me, that was that was the really interesting um, part of the, the human side of the story because we all deal with the legacies of our fathers, standing in the shadows of our fathers. You know, or you know, you have to kill your father to find yourself, metaphorically speaking, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, uh, but few of us, uh, few of us have 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 fathers that have such a colorful, let's say, um, you know, uh, legacy as, as Cappy's. So, so that yeah. was, uh, to me, that that's really what I found interesting. I had to find... Um, I had to find the the, the sort of um, relatable human level um, uh, part of his story to hold my own interest narratively um, mm -hmm. and just not be a, a cattle, uh, you know, and not just be, um, you know, listing someone's CV or their resume and, and stringing it together with narrative tissue. 
uh, I wanted to really find like a, a really human part of the story. And, and to me that, that, that was in the, that was where the essence of it was. Um, of course, there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of uh, other societal issues that came into play as I dug in deeper and, and those uh, sparked my interest as well. So um, I guess what I'm trying to say is after I, you know, got into it and signed on for it, um, I, I really felt that it was, uh, I really felt it, uh, that it was my duty as a writer to try and, you know, render this story as, um, as relatably as I can, because I think it's a fascinating American story. Yeah. And I, and I like that, you know, and that's where the craft comes in. That's where the craft of how does, you know, the, it could be, a, and this happened and this happened and this happened. And at the same time, yeah, that's pretty interesting. But when you can bring it down to the relationships, the complications of relationships, the complications of father-son relationships, the complications in anything of, of romantic relationships. So yeah. it's everything kind of comes down to something. We, we can find the human, um, whatever the human condition is, which there tends to be what, like about 15 themes that we could really hit hard. Mm -hmm. And then we hit them. And then when people read it, they not only get the information, they're getting emotionally involved because they're bringing their baggage and their right. um, stuff. Yeah. Well, I, the acid Absolutely. just kicked and, in. And 10 so. of those 15 themes are variations on the core five themes, right? You know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. And, and you know, to me, this was, a, you know, this was a, a sort of a powerful story of someone coming into their own um, and, and just how... Um, you know, just how circumstances and, and and fate and luck come into play as well. You know, if if Cappy hadn't been drafted uh, or, or facing a con conscription into the Vietnam War after his RO, you know, to fulfill his ROTC duty and hadn't decided that he wanted to sort of, um, you know, uh, not go through, uh, go to the infantry um, and as a result, just by chance picked up going into the Coast Guard because, and if you read the book, you know, Cappy is, uh, uh, really likes women, um, because there were, uh, women in the Coast Guard and he would get to, you know, wear civilian clothes from time to time and be around women. Um, he would have never discovered his affinity for medicine. You know, um, that's where he, that's where he found it. And, and, you know, was, uh, by enlisting in the Coast Guard to avoid going over to fight in Vietnam. And it's which is so also a classic story of that era. Yeah, and it just it and that's where the butterfly effect comes in because if he doesn't make that decision, then there are people on this earth right now who would never have existed. Oh, if you project it out from those who, um, you know, conceived their started their families through the cryobank and then to their offspring, it's it's you know likely approaching uh, you know the millions, you know. Um, so that's, yeah. Talk about butterfly effect, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it that's pretty mind blowing. The, um, the, um, I, 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 I'm so blown by the butterfly effect. I wonder if I'm part of Cappy's experiment, you know, or not or his work. <laughs> well, I mean, many are who, who are just discovering that, or they're discovering that they have, you know, um, siblings that they didn't know of before who are, part of this wow. butterfly effect, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and and one of the interesting things about it is, and this has gotten some coverage in recent years, is, you know, after after you discover, you know, your first five siblings from the same, you know, sperm donor, 
the novelty starts to wear off. And, you know, once you get into like the 10th or the 12th, it, it sort of starts, it starts to have a, a, a um, diminishing returns effect, you know, and, uh, and it becomes disconcerting in some ways to, um, uh, you know, um, some of these um, offspring of uh, um, who are conceived through donor sperm, uh, and they start looking in through 23andMe or genetic testing and finding out, oh, I've got a sister, oh, I've got a brother, oh, I've got another one, oh, I've got another, oh, I've got 10, you know, and, um, uh, and sometimes it gets overwhelming and, and you know, has, um, it's not, you, you know, it's just complicated, like life is. And that, and it's, that's where things, like for me, I, I remember, you know, I've, I've, there's been times when I've been very broke in my life and I'm like, oh, wait, I can go jack it into a cup and make 200 bucks or whatever. But, yeah. but there's, but at the same time, that's not, that's not the only thing I'm doing because yeah. my DNA is going into people's, you know, yeah. woohoo's yeah. and then they're creating them. <laughs> and, um, and then all of a sudden I have a baby out there and what is, what is like, and this is just in my head, but you know, what if I did that and I had, you know, 14 kids who had grandchildren who had yeah. the Duchesne DNA and I passed all this, you know, stuff down and, you know, I don't know where I would be mentally at this point going, wait a second. Um, I might have grandchildren out there or, you know, no, it's heavy. Um, yeah. and that's why anonymity was such a big part of this because, um, those questions didn't have through anonymity, those questions, you know, there were, were there was, there was not generally a reckoning with those questions, you know? Um, but, uh, but, you know, 23 and me and whatever, uh, I, I forget the, but the, you know, the, the, the ability to trace your lineage through genetic testing is sort of rendered anonymity um you know uh not entirely obsolete but 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 is is making it less uh you know making it harder to maintain in these circumstances and it's a it's a you know it's a it's a question you know about how 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 this will continue to be approached in the future yeah and oh and that's when we get to the idea and um of would wealthy people try to create designer babies? And I think it was, and I, th I think it was in your introduction. Uh, mm -hmm. Apologies for putting you on the spot for, you know, you're like, oh yeah, I wrote that a year ago, Tony. Thanks a lot. Thank you for reminding yeah. me. <laughs> but um, I can't remember where it's at, but it's just kind of the, um, the idea of, you know, what about getting, um, what about getting super sperm together? Right. Let's get this, yeah. let's get this supermodel um uh yeah. this guy that was born from a supermodel and a mathematician and his lineage with albert einstein yeah. and uh leonardo uh dicaprio yeah. no i'm kidding da vinci but uh yeah. it, you know it's just it turns you know. out that yeah it turns out that, that that it's you know um that it's really hard to genetically engineer a super kid um but uh um uh look this is those with the means have been selectively have, have been um, uh, um, using their own form of of, of selection and, and reproduction forever. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know, when you're powerful or wealthy or whatever, you know, you generally get to pick your partners. You know, um, and uh, in a way. Um, the the ability to go through a sperm donor registry 
and choose uh, what your donor um, sperm has democratized that that process, which is, you know, throughout history, it's sort of been just, uh, you know, one of the privileges of being rich, famous, powerful, or brutal, um, you know, whatever it may be. So I, I, I don't put a lot, I, I think it's, the, the fears of design, you know, this, these are always what, you know, th this always comes up in sort of um, the uh, theoretical and theocratical um, uh, resistance to, um, you know, these types of uh, medical advances. They're always the end of the world. You know, every medical advance is kind of always the end of the world, you know, um, uh, and, uh, um, the, you know, the first IVF baby, I, I was old enough, I'm old enough to remember when it was on the cover of Time Magazine and it was, uh, um, and it was, a you know, uh, the Time Magazine uh, recreated, you know, um, Michelangelo's um, uh, painting, um, which I forgot, now it's escaping my mind with the finger, you know, the finger of God t creating life and it was a test tube baby that you know that it was a baby in a test tube and you know the 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 test tube babies were going to be the end of the world you know um, um but it turns out that um you know uh children created uh, uh conceived and 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 um uh developed you know through ivf or natural in quotes procreation uh are about the same you know they're, 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 there's not there's no not much variable in 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 anything uh health wise you know iq anything else um uh and you know um all we have to do is look at you know you know the 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 sort of um the aristocracy uh throughout history to to determine what that sort of selective breeding actually <laughs> ends up uh you know creating in the in the long run so it's I, you know i think all these things are interesting they're interesting ethical debates and discussions but um, but they haven't they haven't borne out in any real way that um, you know that sperm donor sperm donor or IVF or you know will will become the the you know uh, some way of uh, establishing some kind of superior genetic offspring you know um, uh, you know um, as I think it was um, um, I, it's in the book but there's uh, one of the classic Hollywood. Um, uh, sex symbols of the day wanted to get together with one of the um, uh, top uh, top minds of the day, uh, and and she's like, "We'll we'll make super babies," and he's like, "Yeah, but what if they end up with your brain and my body?" <laughs> 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 and you know, um, and, and that's you know, that's kind of the it, it's all sort of random in a way, you know. Yeah, it's all luck of the draw. It's don't we don't like. Don't we have a ton of Genghis Khan in in like a lot a lot of the population has Genghis Khan in them if yeah. they go back? When people yeah. get sanctimonious or, or or pious about you know whether um, having children through IVF or donor sperm or whatever is you know the, the 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 way God intended. I'm like, do you know how many offspring are the result of rape? Yeah. Um, you know, the Vikings and, raping and pillaging. Yeah. Or, you know, and, and, and even, you know, you don't even have to go to it's, 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 it's a, it, so I don't, I don't put much stock in that. I think that there are questions about, you know, responsibilities to, uh, you know, what a donor, you know, as you brought up before, what does a sperm donor, are there any emotional, psychological, 
uh, responsibilities to the offspring? Um, do they have demands on, you know, their their um, donor egg mother or their donor sperm father? Are there legitimate demands on them, whether they're, you know, um, uh, estate demands or health demands or or privacy, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, information that might might be useful but might impede upon privacy in some way. I think it's a very complicated um, topic, but um, but the super babies aspect of it, I don't put much uh, stock in because you know natural conception has often been brutal, has often been forced upon women, has often not been uh, at the choice or discretion of women, and if anything, this this development has been empowering for women. And, and I would also go ahead them choice and agency, you know? Yeah. And also when there is a couple together, that's really trying to, you know, if they're not, if they have uh, fertility issues and they want a baby um, so bad and they're putting this much work and this much um, investment into creating a baby for them, then the 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 nurture of that environment is probably going to be in the like top three percent of what the baby would get if it was um you know yeah. it's it's gonna these there's there's a lot of thought like even into adoption yeah. or into this where where it's just like these these people are going to create great humans even if they don't physically create them they are part of the nurture yeah. and environment. And that child was was um, was planned for, generally speaking, mm -hmm. and was wanted, um, generally speaking. A lot of children were not are not planned for, and 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 you know, uh, were are, are not initially wanted. Um, um, you know, hookups, one night stands, um, you know, uh, all kinds of uh, all kinds of real world, real life um scenarios and uh, that that uh can that end up in conception um that uh for any number of reasons might not be optimal and right. um, you know and so um those using ivf those using sperm uh donors and stuff like that are often it's a very conscious concerted effort as you're saying and you know th those outcomes might have th those might lead to better outcomes um certainly a lot of a lot of this uh, is uh, because um, uh, couples are, are are choosing to start families later in life, and obviously it's harder to it's harder to conceive. Um, you know, the older you are, um, so uh, some of that is at play. Obviously, we have um, you know uh, gay couples are starting families, and uh, um, you know, and and uh, use uh, sperm and egg donation and. All that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, uh, all these scenarios are, are, are at play, but um, there's a lot of, you know, the, a lot of, um, you know, reactionary religious uh, pushback on, on this stuff, um, whereas there is all kinds of procreation and family dysfunction in, you know, in, in those sectors um, that have nothing to do with any of this. Right. There's there's so many um examples of everything gone wrong even though when it's supposedly done right <laughs> it's like yeah. you know yeah i was an oopsie baby you know i was and i was even um what? A, an oopsie baby my my, my parents oh, were yeah. teenage teenagers yeah. when they had me and even in therapy probably about 15 years ago i was just like 
going, oh my God, what if I ruined my parents' lives? You know, and I was going through that existential crisis. Um, And then, you know, and then therapy got me, you know, through that. But it's it's just, I, you know, the human conditions, a mess as it is. So, yeah, Yeah, I mean, two of, I'm, I'm, I'm among four siblings and two of us were oopsie babies. (laughs) Yes. And, uh, you know, um, and my parents got together because, you know, because uh, they got pregnant. It's very, very, very more than likely they wouldn't have ended up with each other or wouldn't have chosen each other except for that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's all kinds of, you know, fallout as a result of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be strange, like, you know, 500 years in the future, how will, how they'll look back at us and just see how archaic we were. We'll be the dark ages to them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, meanwhile, I don't want to, I, I don't mean to diminish and I don't intend to, uh, diminish the, um, you know, the ethical, the the actual very real, you know, ethical uh, questions that that are, are you know um, do arise from from these, you know, uh, these uh, tech, this advanced reproductive medicine. Um, they, they they do exist, and they're not settled. And I don't I don't pretend to have the answer to them either. You know, I don't think any. You know, it's when you really boil it down i mean sometimes i just look at this world and it's so much chaos and how are we how is it not how are we not um you know we're we're we function how do we function as human beings on this spinning planet and as you know there's so much that we don't know but life goes on and we move forward that this that this you know sperm donors and um in vitro fertilization is such a small piece it's such a speck on on this larger thing and sometimes i just you know i and and it's it's a great i the the god of sperm there's the idea you know that um you know sometimes we believe well sometimes i look at myself and i'm like okay well i'm the god of this vessel this body you know and then it's just like what the hell do i know (laughs) what the it's so it's uh it's like what I okay, I'll fully admit I've been studying astrology. So that's kind of blowing my mind because yeah, I'm learning yeah. about planets and then I'm just yeah. like, we're so insignificant on the on the timeline. At some point well, we're we're all insignificant on the well, timeline. That's, that's kind of that's part of what Cappy's fascination with sperm is. And um uh and it's also it's also somewhat where the you know the the title comes from uh you know there's there's billions of stars in the universe and to, he and he he liked to go out into he'd climb uh el capitan and uh he would look at the stars and he would camp out and um um uh, um and he, he would watch the Pleiades, you know and uh, and all that kind of stuff would and he thought and he'd think to himself there's a massive universe of stars out, uh, out there and there's a massive universe of of life within us as well that's represented by the billions of sperm cells that we uh you know carry in our bodies and eventually you know and, and put out into the world um literally you know to create life and i think the the analogy for him was kind of uh, he's very He's very Spock-like in a way. He's uh, he he he's pragmatic and logical and and scientific. And and I think he 
I think he could not help but think about and be interested in, um, you know, the uh, the universe that that we have, you know, and found it. I think is profound and as vast as as you know what he was looking up at in the night sky while he's uh, on top of El Capitan in Yosemite. It's all it, it's all in some way, and he's he's not an overly cap. He's not an overly reflective, or I would think mystical person. But I think it's all about the bounty of creation and life, you know. Yeah. Um, what, what, um, what, what, when did, when did you start writing? When, when, when did you find, when did you find the godlike gig of putting, of taking an empty piece of paper and making something well, on it? Um, it was a long and arduous process to be, to be sure. Um, what happened was, uh, and this, uh, this will be the boring part. So you have to edit through all that. <laughs> <laughs> the boring parts are the fun parts. That's okay. it. It's it's um you know let let's let's Dear be boring. Listener, forgive forgive me while I uh, go. Uh, we you need uh, not be forgiven. To... Forgive forgive Tony, thy host, for he will not edit thy tape. <laughs> well, um, I was coming back to L.A. after uh, a, a, a couple years stint in Santa Barbara, where I was running an investigative news site, and. Um, uh, my wife and I moved back. Um, uh, we had we had been in LA for years and years, and then we had a couple years in Santa Barbara. And we came back, and um, uh, I was I, I was just you know doing. I was in the gig economy at that point, and um, you know just trying to um, I, and with a new daughter, uh, you know, uh, newborn, and uh, you know trying to make some money and uh, hustling and. Um, the as I mentioned before, initially this this uh, gig to write a couple of chapters and do an outline and you know book proposal came my way and I was like yeah I needed the money I took it I got Cappy is generous and paid me well um, and uh, uh, after after some time after he ran it through his you know um, his uh, entourage which is mostly his wife Beth um, you know she's like yeah this looks good you know go for it. Um, and so Cappy signed me up to do that, I think in 2016. Um, I, I, shortly thereafter, I, I started working full time as a, as a visiting professor at Whittier College. So um, I was I was only able to dig into this sort of piecemeal. And a lot of it, a lot of the research and, and interviews with Cappy took place over a couple summers. Um, and so it was it was a long, drawn out process. Um, I did a lot of uh, a lot of hours and hours and hours of just talking with Cappy, interviewing him, and um, you know doing a you know sort of journalistic uh, deep dive as much as I can and trying to dig out his anecdotes, his stories, his memories. Um, which um, he's 85, so um, his his recalling when we started wasn't you know wasn't as sharp as I think you admit as it as it might have been you know 15 years ago. Um, so. I uh, ended up supplementing a lot of that with with you know sort of deep research into the milieu in which he came of age in uh, Miami Beach um, in his father's world. Um, uh, uh, T.J. Uh, Havana's uh, uh, um, uh, book, uh, I mean T.J. English's book Havana Nocturne, um, uh, and um, the other one, uh, Gangsterismo, who's the author's name is not on the tip of my tongue. Right now, they're both cited. Um, they were they were really important uh, for me to get a sense of uh, how Cappy's father was living and what he was doing to people he was 
surrounded with. Um, I'd love to get those names right if you get a chance to. Um, I, I could run out to the other room and find them if you want. Um, but uh, um, but and um, well, well, what's good is what's good is we like to we like to present ourselves also as middle age and forgetting things. So. Yeah, I'm totally for space. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of too many things at once myself. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But um, and uh, then I did a, uh, you know, I did a FOIA Freedom of Information Act request on his father, um, and so I got, I got all his FBI files, um, and, and which were pretty heavily redacted and and kind of all over the place. But I started trying to make sense of them. Um, I interviewed his um, family members and. Um, did a lot of research on uh, um, the history of sperm banking and uh, IVF and all that kind of stuff. And so just kind of tried to bring it all together in a story that um, is, is Cappy is the central figure of, but is also, you know, um, uh, you know, sort of addresses the uh, wider cultural changes that were, the Cappy was a part of. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in those years and uh, yeah. the, um, What was I? Oh, I was good. What do you teach at the uh, college? Uh, I teach uh, English and journalism. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so was was journalism kind of your forte when you were when you realized that you wanted to be a journalist because you did in, investigative journalism? Is is that the? Um, yeah, I've done um, all kinds of journalism. That's mm -hmm. that's been my primary um, uh, function, uh, uh, primary uh, job since about since I was about twenty eight, I guess. Um, huh. Yeah. Uh, Jack Calhoun was the author of Gangster Eastmo. So um, uh, 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 Havana Nocturne is T.J. English and Gangster Eastmo is, uh, Gangster Eastmo is Jack Calhoun. And those were both very informative for me to, to sort of capture the essence of, of that Miami Beach Havana era of the you know, uh, mid-50s to early 60s. You just you just remind me of a book I really enjoyed, um, and this was probably twenty years ago called Dirty Havana Trilogy, and I can't remember the author right now, yeah. but it was just I don't know if that author's still alive or not. I, yeah. I remember he was still alive, and it's it was just it was so just beautiful and kind of gritty, yeah. and uh, really just showed you know just showed life of Havana, and yeah. and it, and, it, and I love those stories that they just bring you in there. And it's kind of not a lot of judgment. It's just, this is, this yeah. is life and here you are. And it's, you know, reading that and you're just like, when it's well-crafted, it's just like, oh my God, I got yeah. to, yeah, I got to spend time yeah. with this author in Havana. They're wild. It's wild. His life, yeah. you know, it was a wild life. His dad had a wild life and, um, and not, and, and they're too easily, I think, romanticized in a lot of the, the, the books, literature and film about the, this era, but they're also brutal. Yeah. Um, and, and and murderous, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and we, you know, we shouldn't forget. And so um Cappy tended to gravitate towards the romanticized uh um version of his father in that era, you know, uh there were Damon Runyon type of characters, et cetera, et cetera, and blah blah. And he kept, I think it was he kept it sort of at that distance, you know, um uh and uh preferred to think of it in those ways and you know I, in some ways uh, th this book is a was a, a confrontation in a way uh, for him and with him over that over his the way he perceived his father and his father's legacy wow that would that would be pretty mind-blowing because because he would have to just sit there and go my father is probably 
killed a bunch of people or has been involved in the you know in that and then if if you if you try not to think about that kind of like trying not to think about your parents ever having sex because they your parents never have sex it's the worst thing you ever want to think of in your life you also don't want to think of your dad killing anybody yeah and there's that there's a disconnect you can kind of put there you know yeah i don't know if his dad killed anyone but i i I, his dad um was an operator and Mm -hmm. um uh you know he 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 basically, um, uh, you know, took a, a, a contract. Uh, he, he he was sort of the broker on a, you know, on a for a hit on um, on Castro, you know, and he sort of, you know, was the was the 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 guy who, you know, at least according to one of the, the legends about him, and he was he was the guy who was like, uh, yeah, I'll handle that, you know, I'll be the military. Yeah. He he, you know, managed to procure in quotes, um, you know. Um, uh weapons and material for uh counter-revolution against uh castro but he was also playing both sides he would have taken down batista too probably if the price was right you know yeah yeah yeah. so and he was a huge operator for um uh santos traficante jr who is you know um a you know massive figure in, in the mob in those eras and um he was rubbed shoulders with mayor lansky and all those guys, you know, he was in in the mix for sure, you know. And I think he was known as the guy who could get stuff done. Uh, a lot of it logistical, you know. A lot of it, yeah. you know, uh, you know, a lot of it was logistics for sure, and uh, um, a lot of it was um, operational. He he was, you know, ran. He basically ran the floor at a couple of uh, casinos in Havana and stuff like that, you know. Huh. Yeah. It, I, so after working on this project. Would you be excited to uh, work on another uh, full book length project in this uh, in a similar way, or was it was it just was it really like a lot of work and a lot of really diving into the personality of one person, where it's just like you need a break for a while? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I I, I don't I, know if it's good, but thanks, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I um when I was done with this. I thought I was done with it, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't really, I was like, I, I, I just, uh, I, I just need to be done with it. Um, yeah. It's and, intimate. I think people don't realize how much goes into yeah. not only writing a book, but if you're writing with someone and just doing the biography, which I've never done on this scale, um, it, takes like it, it takes every ounce of energy i i don't know if you felt this way where you where it's like oh it's like almost every project i go into that's like a, a big project in my head i'm like oh that i can get this done by this date and then it, and then if i just put in like six hours a day this will be fine and all of a sudden you realize it's 12 hours a day and it's quadruple the time and it's it's it, it was that kind of similar a lot of homework <laughs> yeah 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 um, yeah, you know, and, and I, and I, I, you know, I've, I've written so much stuff, uh, uh, over the years. Uh, I mean, I, I have two collections of, of my journalism that are, have been compiled. Um, oh, and, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and published and, you know, and what, those, what are those collections? Uh, one is called LA man, uh, profiles from a big city in a small world, which is uh-huh. a collection of profiles I did over the years um, from everyone from Lou Reed to Drew Barrymore to Christian Bale to Sean Penn and stuff like that. Um, I, how did you like doing profiles? Um, it's kind of what I got. Um, 
I liked it until I didn't. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, I think I stopped liking doing profiles like, you know, a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but it's kind of a lot of my, a lot of my bread was buttered in, in that genre. So it was hard. It's hard to say no. Because um, I did, I did too for San Francisco Chronicle. I would profile right. authors twice a month. Right. And it was, and it's sometimes it's, you really have to gin yourself up for it, right? Yeah. And, and there's other times where you just think, oh my God, this person's going to be so great and so interesting. And then you just get to the interview and you get to, and you're just like, yeah. Oh, you got to be kidding me. This person yeah, has you know nothing. Right? You <laughs> yeah. know, almost immediately. And you, and like, you have to find a way to, to stay present and, and do it. Right. And then even worse, you got to find a way to make it sound halfway interesting in the article because, and you're just going, I'm making this person sound way more interesting than they are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the job is as writers and particularly journalists and those doing profiles, biographies is, is, you know, there's, there's, there, most people are interesting um, yeah. and you, and you have to find what's interesting about them. And that's really uh, and and if you don't do it, it's going to show, um, yeah. you know, and uh, you don't have to love someone. You don't have to like them. You don't even have to think that they're, um, you know, righteous dudes or, 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 or women or whatever. But you have to find you, you owe it to your audience to find what it, your readership to find what's interesting about them and do your best to relate that. And I think that's doing it justice. That doesn't mean that you're coming down on their side or not on their side or whatever, just make it interesting. And, um, you know, and I think one of the challenges with um, this book was it's so vast, uh, it covers so much ground um, and it had, uh, there was a, there was a possibility that it would be broad, but not deep. Um, and that was the struggle um, for me was to um, not just make it kind of a survey, a cursory survey of a man, his life in the times, um, but to find ways to make it to to deepen it and deepen the interest, uh, um, you know, for re potential readers, um, because I don't think uh, I'm doing, you know, Cappy would admit as much his his um, his his ability to grasp, remember the details or the rich anecdotes and stuff like that was, you know, was not was not uh, like it was, for instance, great storytellers that I've interviewed like. Sean Penn, you know, yeah, uh, profile who just, you know, uh, whether his biorhythms were right or not, we got together, spent a day together, and it was rollicking, you know, mm -hmm. um, and and that's always that's easy when someone just throws it in your lap um, and has, uh, you know, all the these anecdotes, these stories, these humor, and all that intel, all that kind of stuff. That's great. Um, Cappy, uh, Cappy hasn't hadn't really cataloged his life. You know, um, this was this was something new for him as well. He just lived his life and his life happened to be impactful and profound. But it's not like he he had like been compiling or journaling, you know, and, you know, right. preparing for this moment, you know, to him. It was sort of like he's very matter of fact about his life, you know, uh -huh. and uh, um, which is great in a lot of ways. But uh, as I said, uh, um, I really wanted to try and find a way to make to make this book not uh, have broader interest than just whether or not you're interested in Cappy Rothman. Yes. 
That's what we're all trying to do, right? <laughs> With our work. So. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, some people, there's just this sort of a natural born, you know, people are going to be interested in Christian Bale or Sean Penn or whatever, because they're right. celebrities, you know? Um, yeah. And some other figures, um, uh, and I'm thinking of another pro like uh, um, James Goldstein, who owns the this Lautner house in, in Hollywood and is a guy who shows up at the Lakers games in like snakeskin suits and stuff like that. Um, the older guy, he, no one knows who he is really, but, but you really, but he's a fascinating person. And it's the job we have as writers, as you know, to, to make, uh, to, to show how he is relevant and, um, you know, has a, is of interest to the, the, to the audience because it's a fascinating, he's a fascinating story. And Cappy is a fascinating story. He's been in the middle of the maelstrom for many years. That's good fun. Joe, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Do you uh, do you feel like you got what uh, what you wanted or needed? Oh, I got I got everything I wanted from the god of sperm. Yeah, we only uh, we it, we just it was just the tip, so to speak, as far as the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me put it in. Let me put it in, baby. Let me put in a bid for your love, sugar. If you just let me put it in, mama, I'll be true. I'll be true, baby.
Let me put in a bed for your love, mama. Let me slide in a bed for your love, baby. Let me ooze in a bed for your love. Joe Donnelly on Drinks with Tony. Check out his new book, God of Sperm, Cappy Rothman's Life in Conception. Next week on the show, we have Cecil Castellucci, and she'll be discussing her new graphic novel, Shifting Earth. Reading is breathing in, writing is breathing out. Keep breathing, my friends. I'll see you next week.
101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. (laughs) 